Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, it is a gorgeous day here in the Northeast, almost spring-like. But today we're going to not talk about the wonders of nice weather and spring, but some negativity. Specifically, we're going to be talking about understanding your negativity bias. Now, I'm saying you because you, like me, like everyone else, we have a bias. And this may surprise you because you tend to maybe think about yourself as, you know, not being biased, but being a realist and, you know, not necessarily being a Debbie Downer. But nevertheless, there is a part of you and a part of me and a part of everyone that has a tendency, a leaning, and a propensity for being negative. And it's called by psychologists the negativity bias. So let's talk a little bit about this negativity bias. Maybe I can convince you that it does exist and it's not such a terrible thing. And we'll see why and what you can do about it. So what's a negativity bias? Well, essentially, it's that we react more strongly to things that are negative, you know, being criticized, than we do to compliments. We recall things more vividly when they occur as negatives than as positives. Well, let's take, for example, you might recall insults better than praise. You recall your partner's loss of temper recently telling you that you're a jerk, as opposed to the many positive things your partner may have told you. But we remember that one frozen moment, you're a jerk, and we cling to it. We tend to cling to those things that are negative, and we react more strongly to negative stimuli. I think you'll agree with me that typically... Uh, We try to make good first impressions, right? But the worst to overcome is bad first impressions because a person that has a negative view of us is going to have a hard time seeing beyond that to the positives. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good example. I mean, it's like we all like to make great first impressions, but oh boy, if you make a negative first impression, that's going to be hard to shake. You know, I could see in a a corporate situation where that's going to follow you around and there's going to be, you know, kind of hesitations about people's view of you or assessment of you. Because people, you, me, everyone, we tend to gravitate more towards the negatives. Those bad first impressions. Oh, boy. You might remember traumatic experiences better than positive ones. I mean, I remember vividly the the failure I got in algebra 
and had to go to summer school back in high school, as opposed to the A I got in biology. I, I can only say that, you know, that the trauma of not passing that course, as well as the trauma of getting on a bus and going to Hackensack, New Jersey every day for algebra class, uh, that lingers, those negatives linger. I mean, we recall insults better than praise. If your partner, because of a loss of temper, yells out, well, you're such a jerk. Well, you're going to cling to that much more than maybe the hundreds of compliments you've gotten in the last few months. You'll keep coming back to, why did she call me a jerk? I'm not a jerk. You know, it's it's like we cling to that. And, and ask yourself, in, in relationships, when you've been insulted by a loved one, a friend, an associate, it's it's that which you keep getting back to, and it's almost you're hooked into it. And why do they say that? I don't, they don't understand. And it's almost hard to erase such negativity because once once someone says it, you know, then then that puts you in a situation where you know now you're you're on edge or in doubt and distrusting and defensive. So you know this is part of that negativity bias, and we react more strongly to negative stimuli. So you would have a much stronger negative reaction if you realize you just lost 10 bucks from your pocket than if you find 10 bucks. You know, your reaction would be much more intense about losing the money than finding it. Again, negativity bias. And we tend to think about negative things much more frequently than positives. Now, don't take my word for it. Ask any worry ward uh, or you if you are a worrier. I mean, we don't worry about things going right. I don't want to win that lottery, by goodness. We worry about things going wrong, the negatives. You see, it's always the negatives that grabs our attention. I think one of the worst things that, in terms of negativity, is, is when we humiliate ourselves or say the wrong thing. Oh my gosh, you know, you, you, you shoot yourself in the foot. Why did I say that? Oh, I can't believe I said that. It's so, oh, you know, and, and something like that can last days, weeks, months, a lifetime. Every time you run into that person that you said that uh, terrible thing to, uh, it, it just brings up the hackles in your neck. Wow, my goodness, uh, he, she still must remember, you know, so, so, you know, that's, that's really one of the worst for me is, is saying something inadvertently or out of temper or something out of character. You know, that can be a tough thing to overcome. And especially when we're emotionally upset, even in a good relationship, we say things that we can really regret. And, you know, the irony is that once, once you're caught up in, in, in kind of an emotional uh, drama with someone, even, even a partner, and you, you wind up saying something out of character or something you, you really didn't mean, like, gee, honey, uh, you really look like you gained a ton of weight. That's going to be hard to take back. And, you know, you can, you can oh, I didn't mean it. I was just teasing and uh, <laughs> try it. Uh, no, no, no. You, you know, once, once your partner or friend collects that negative response from you, 
uh, it's, you know, it's the toothpaste is out of the tube and it's going to be a long time or a hard time or forever that that person may remember your negative. You know, it's why even negative news, we, we tend to gravitate a lot more towards the news that's negative. Uh, you, did you ever wonder if, if there was a positive news channel? Just positive news, no negatives. Now this is the positive news channel and today the roses bloomed and <laughs> how many viewers do you think would continue to watch that? Nah, I don't think so. We're attracted to the negative. We're attracted to the negative. And in a second, we'll, we'll, take, we'll talk a little bit about why. But it is important to know that, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that now, and then we'll go on. The why has to do with our evolutionary past. And, and as you know from my podcast, this is one way that I always try to make sense of our psychology is trying to understand why it evolved in the direction that it evolved. And a, negative, a negativity bias is one of those directions. So think back to Fred and Wilma Flintstones walking through the Miocene woods uh, with saber-toothed tigers and snakes and warring tribal you know, uh, people all around them and all this kind of bad stuff. Well, for Fred and Wilma, it was very important for them to be tuned into danger, to negativity, to the bad things that could happen. And if Fred and Wilma were both tuned into this, there's a higher likelihood that they would have survived than, than Barney and what was Barney's? Uh, Barney and Betty, <laughs> the Flintstones. I go back to the 50s or 60s. Barney and Betty, who maybe didn't have that negativity bias, because we're, we're talking when our evolution was beginning. So this was the, uh, the negativity bias was just being laid down. And, and Barney and Wilma, uh, not, yeah, Fred, <laughs> sorry, Fred and Wilma had the negativity bias. Barney and Betty did not. Are you following all this? <laughs> so so Barney and Betty not having the negativity bias would be much more susceptible to saber-toothed tigers, to snakes, and warring tribes because they're going through the woods, whistling along, um, not a care in the world. And now they are saber-toothed tiger breakfast. But Fred and Wilma walking through that same woods, being tuned into danger and negativity, well, they survived. And Fred and Wilma, I know they had a little baby. I don't remember the baby's name. I'm not going to go on with Fred and Wilma, I promise. But Fred and Wilma handed their genes down. And so we, we now have an evolutionary thrust towards negativity bias because there's an adaptive aspect to it. Negativity bias in our ancestral past did some things for us. It protected us. It helped us survive. Betty and Barney, they didn't have offspring. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> let us assume Betty and Barney did not have offspring. So their casual laissez-faire attitudes toward life were not passed down. So the negativity bias was passed down because it served an adaptive purpose. It was functionally in your best interest to be aware of danger. 
Now, this this goes all the way back to our infancy. You know, if you look at a, a child, just not initially, but towards the end of the first year, that child starts to show more reaction to negatives than to positives. And we see this reaction in the in the strong activity in the frontal cortex. So this is, you know, where our neural processing, you know, it shows at a very young age. And this, this helps us understand that the negativity bias isn't something that's learned. It's kind of reflexive. And it's, it's kind of our, in our DNA as a predisposition. But nowhere is it more, I think, important for us today. Because we're not, we're, you know, we don't need to worry about saber-toothed tigers and stuff like that. But either at work or relationships, uh, socialization, that's, that's where it's, it's really quite important for us. It's not life or death anymore, as it was for Fred and Wilma. It's, it's more about social life or death or psychological mental health. So we have the negativity bias. It, it tends to affect us in negative ways. But we'll talk about how it can be something useful in a second. But... One of the things and one of the ways it expresses itself in relationship is that we tend to have a bias that we, you know, expect the worst in people. Now, you may argue with this, but I would say that it's, it's probably true. And the more insecure you are, I'm sure the more you expect the worst and the more secure you are. Because an insecure person is socially struggling for their life, their psychological life. And therefore, they are more attuned or in tune with the negative nuances in relating that could hurt them. And this, this expectation of the worst, it's not, it's not just with people that are strangers to us or people that aren't close to us. It, it really can occur in, in a very close and intimate relationship. If, take, for example, in a relationship where, let's say, uh, you you uh, went out and took the, the joint funds that you and your partner have amassed, and you went out and bought yourself a, a brand new Tesla without consulting your partner. So now you have an expectation of the worst before you even acknowledge or decide to divulge this to your partner. And what that does is that it sets the stage for defensiveness before you even get into that reaction. So you're, you're wired now and, and you go to your partner and you say, well, um, I think you'll be somewhat happy to know that we are the proud owners of a brand new, beautifully white, snowy white Tesla. And anything that your partner says at that point, you are geared and braced and ready because you're expecting the worst and you probably deserve it in that situation. But that expectation of the worst is part of a negativity bias because we are always preparing ourselves to survive. And, you know, one way to, to look at our psychological survival is that we, we treat our survival these days, our psychological mental health, uh, in a way that feels almost like life and death in certain situations. So when it comes to relationship, it's really valuable to remember that negative comments usually carry much more weight 
than positive comments. Remember, gee, honey, um, you really have gained a little weight lately. Um, as, as I said before, that's, that's something that's going to linger now for a long time in your partner's memory banks. So negativity is something that is a predisposition. And like all predispositions, uh, it is resistant to any interference, change, or even extinguishing it. Now, can we extinguish it? I don't think so. I think we can mitigate it. I think we can reduce it. I think that we have to understand the cards we've been dealt. And one of those cards is the negativity bias. So what can we do? Now, we don't want to go around life being that negative person. We don't want to be always the Debbie Downer. It seems kind of sexist or the Donnie Downer. So, so, so we, need to, we need to develop what I call critical awareness. And, you know, that requires paying attention to those things, especially the things that are kind of heated whether it's embarrassing ourselves with things we say, uh, whether it's becoming more tuned into the negatives, you know, we have to start becoming more conscious, more aware of those things that you would like to change. And in order to do that, of course, you, you can't be passive. You have to develop an, an active mindset. And that's what critical awareness is. It's, it's developing active thinking. It's becoming a better person, but it's, it's also realizing that you're not a puppet, that yes, we have predispositions, but a predisposition isn't a life sentence. It's a tendency toward, which is why there are people that are much more negative and pessimistic, and then there are people who are much more optimistic and upbeat. Now, why is this? Well, because insecurity might more or less push us toward being more defensive, more protective, whereas the secure person has the ability to, to really not concede to a pessimistic view of life. And the more that we cultivate optimism, the more we reject our negative bias, the stronger we become. And it's, it's important to realize that this predisposition, it, it really can be treated as a habit. Now, any habit, the more you feed it, the stronger it gets, the more you starve it, the weaker it gets. Now, we may not be able to totally extinguish the negativity bias, but we certainly can neutralize it. And, and just in terms of thinking, in terms of optimistic or pessimistic, that, that maybe is easier to grasp. The pessimist would be someone who's more handing themselves over to their negative bias. And, and they just become more in bed with that, and it becomes their life, and, and it feeds their insecurities, and they, they start to look at life in very dark tones. The optimist has to work for that. You see, and I say work for that because you have to overcome that negativity bias and you have to instead grab yourself every time you, you tend to kind of feel a little down about life and people and nature and the world. And, and you have to actively make some decisions about whether you're going to embrace 
the darker sides of life because they're there. It's the shadow side, as Carl Jung would say. There is a shadow side to life. There's no question about that. But the difference between an optimist and a pessimist is perspective. We're all looking at the same world, the same planet, but the optimist is focusing more on what's good and what's right about the world and our planet than the pessimist, whose view is very affected by the negativity bias. And they are focused on those things that are corrupt, difficult, dangerous, scary. Now, you may say, well, doesn't that bring us back to Fred and Wilma? Doesn't that protect the pessimist more? You could probably build a case for that. But again, we're not dealing literally with life and death. We're dealing with perceptions, with pessimism. And in terms of mental health, who do you think has a healthier life? A person living with the stress of pessimism, uh, worrying and ruminating about things going awry, or the person that lives with the optimistic belief that things will work out. So if you're thinking of it from a mental health standpoint, I, I think you have very little to lose. And I don't think your psychological survival, nor do I think your physical survival is in any way now dependent on cultivating the negativity bias. So let's, let's take a look at just taking the risk. And let's call it cultivating, risking optimism. Now, you have to rec recognize that we're, we're talking about reflexive, instinctual predispositions. So there's, there's going to be resistance. But it is my contention that, as I said earlier, that a predisposition is not a life sentence. It's a tendency. Now, you may have a a genetic predisposition toward obesity, towards alcoholism, uh, but these tendencies don't have to manifest themselves. And that's the point. They only manifest themselves if we embrace them and feed them and become part of that predisposition. So how do we, how do we just mitigate, minimize, and live alongside our negativity bias? Well, we do it by cultivating kind of a willingness to risk optimism and, and to really not be led around by just knee-jerk negativity. The more, we, the more we train ourselves to look at what's good in life, the more we train ourselves to be more optimistic, the more we diminish the tendency towards negative bias. And with any habit, of course, it takes consistency over time. Very important. Now, you're not going to leave this podcast and just say, now I shall focus only on life's wonderful things. It would be nice, but it's not going to happen that way. Especially if you're somewhat mired in the negative, or if insecurity is a significant part of your psychology right now. There's going to be resistance. But the more you practice optimism, the more you practice focusing on what's right and not on what's wrong. I mean, you have the option. You, you, you know, you're not being duped by the fact that you're ignoring what's not right about life and the world and the planet, but you're choosing not to focus on it. And I, I do feel from a psychological standpoint, you're not putting yourself in jeopardy. 
So you have to practice it over time. Now, how much time? Well, it's an individual thing. But like any habit, it does take time and practice. So if you want to minimize your negativity bias, neutralize it perhaps, uh, the best way to do that is to realize that it, treat it as a habit. In this case, a, a genetic habit handed down from Fred and Wilma. Thank you, Fred and Wilma. And, and you're going to start to actively, through critical awareness, you're going to actively train yourself to become a more positive person. I truly believe that the only reason that we feel we can't become a more positive person is just, well, there is no reason. It's just a false belief. And if you believe something to be true, then it becomes your truth. So to liberate yourself, it means quite literally to actively begin to liberate yourself, to train yourself, to begin to see things differently. Become aware. You can't be passive about this. You, you really have to have an active mindset that catches yourself and says, wait a second. No, no, I'm not, I'm not going, you know, maybe saying something nasty about someone or thinking something nasty. No, nope. that's part of that negativity bias. And, you know, don't cling to it. Don't cling to what, what was said to you that hurt you five years ago. Let it go. Train yourself. Train yourself to be that better person. Now, you might say, why? Well, why? Because you're going to have a happier, better, more optimistic life. And that's just literally true. If you don't believe me, cling to the negatives and watch what happens. Watch the stress in your life. Watch the physical symptoms that occur from stress and worry and duress, as opposed to living more optimistically. So I, you know, I, I would like to just say that uh, negativity bias is well worth understanding, not to become spooked by it and not to fear it, but to realize that if you do nothing, the bias will actively inculcate your life with things that are not so pleasant. If you do nothing, if you do something and you train yourself, well, then I don't think you need to be victimized by antiquated you know, I, I'm just going to correct myself a second. Some negativity bias, of course, is probably essential. Uh, if, if you are walking in a strange woods or jungle, it probably does help you to anticipate, you know, those things that can go awry. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But for us and for our purposes, you know, let's, let's deal with the practical reality in front of us and the practical psychological reality in front of us. And in that reality, you have so much more to gain by being more positive, more optimistic, and less negative. And that's all I've got for you today. And uh, please, if you have any, any suggestions for upcoming podcasts or things that you'd like me to talk about, uh, I could be reached at selfcoachinghelp. That's one word, selfcoachinghelp at AOL.com. And I want to thank you for joining me yet again. And uh, once more, I will mention that unlearning anxiety and depression, we are having a significant glitch with the distributor, which hopefully will be fixed soon. The, the volume is still available in Kindle, so I will keep you posted.
But for now, I would ask you to visit my website, selfcoaching.net. And uh, you can learn more about my self-coaching philosophy and there's other things there you might want to take a look at, videos and blogs and stuff. And until next time, I want you to remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me next week. What do you say we make it simple together? Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart. This is your way. Life is what you make of it. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams.